0: We pray with me. Heavenly Father, who would have thought that in beholding a child we could be we could behold the glory of our great God. And yet you do amazing things, things that we do not anticipate. And Father, we glorify your name and we can't think of anywhere we'd rather be than in your presence, singing songs to you, opening your word, being with your people on mission in the world. I pray, Father, that you would open our eyes to see the harvest is ready and plentiful, that you would make us workers in that harvest, Lord, that you would give us eyes to see the world as you see the world, harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. We are not without a shepherd because you have come, and we give you thanks in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I've learned never to say never. Have you? For instance, if um, a year ago, I thought about this this week and I chuckled. If a year ago you had said to me, you know, in a year from now, you and Melanie will have a daughter. That would have been uh, beyond our imagination. And yet, uh, beginning Christmas Eve of last year, this series of events has led us to where we are. Monday, I was in Georgetown and... uh, They've placed us in the adoption queue now. So uh, in March, we hope uh, adoption will be final, and uh, we are so excited about that and grateful, uh, amazed at God's goodness. So we came home Monday, and I picked Casey up from school, and uh, we had her, her uh, birthday party. She had a choice of Fogo de Chão, or, um, or she could eat beef stroganoff, and she chose the stroganoff. So I made it, and, um, and then uh, we had her birthday party. Uh, Cookie cake, and she blew out the candles. But before she did, she had this dramatic pause. and There's a good bit more drama than we've ever had in our home. And anyway, there was this dramatic pause. And we said, well, What was that about? And she said, I was making a wish before I blew out the candles, you know. And we said, Well, that's, that's great. What did you wish for? And she said, You know, I wish that it would snow in Houston. <laughs> and we said, You know, Casey, I mean, we've lived here a long time, and, uh, you know, I mean, some things are are likely and some things are really unlikely, and that's just really, really unlikely. And uh, it's been an interesting week, you know. Uh, Who knew? Who knew uh, that God does amazing things? And the greatness of our God is most clearly displayed in the face of His Son. And it's interesting to think about who Jesus is. Is and what Jesus is doing in our world, he said to his disciples, "Who do you say that I am?" That question has never been more important because people are forever invoking the name of Jesus to um, confirm and ratify some action or cause that they are a part of in this world. It's it's doubly crucial in our day because Jesus is remarkably popular in our country, but I'm not sure that every Jesus is the real Jesus. One writer has offered some Jesuses that people uh, talk about these days. There's the Jesus who's against tax increases and activist judges. And then there's the Jesus who's against Wall Street and Walmart. And then there's therapist Jesus who helps us cope with life's problems and not to be so hard on ourselves. There's Starbucks Jesus. He only drinks fair trade coffee and he drives a hybrid. He goes to film festivals There's open-minded Jesus, who loves everyone all the time, no matter what, except for people who are not as open-minded as you, for instance. There's touchdown Jesus, who helps the athletes run faster and jump higher and and stops the clock so that certain teams can win. It's just uh, amazing, isn't it? There's martyr Jesus. What am I talking about? A good man who died a cruel death there's gentle Jesus and hippie Jesus and there's yuppie Jesus who encourages us to reach our potential and and reach for the stars and buy a boat and there's spirituality Jesus who hates religion and churches and pastors and doctrine and uh, it's, tells us to follow the God within and then there's platitude Jesus who inspires people to believe in themselves and there's revolutionary Jesus who teaches us to rebel against the status quo and there is um, Guru Jesus, a wise, inspirational teacher. There's boyfriend Jesus who just wraps his arms around us as we sing about his intoxicating love in our secret place. There's, there's good example Jesus who shows you how to help people and change the planet and become a better you. And as I read that list this week, I wondered, what if the real one showed up? Would we even know him? Or have we so conformed him to the image of our current mood That if Jesus actually showed up, we wouldn't know him at all. I'll tell you who Jesus is. He is who he has always been. And he is not particularly interested in being conformed to our image. But he would love to conform us to his. Who is Jesus? We saw last week he is the king of the kingdom of light. He's the Redeemer of the world. He's the Deliverer from the darkness and brings us into His light. And Paul goes on in Colossians chapter 1. We ought to hear what Paul has to say about Jesus so that we will know Him. And in knowing Him, become like Him. Would you open your Bibles with me to Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. His wonderful face. His wonderful face. Colossians 1:15. Let's stand together as we read God's Word. Tonight we continue our Through the Bible series. I'll be preaching on Deuteronomy, talking a lot about loving the Lord in our families. I hope you'll come and be a part of that study. And then next weekend, as we know, Festival of Carols, lots of exciting things. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, His wonderful face. Listen to this. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation, for by Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by Him and for Him. He's before all things, and in Him all things hold together, and He's the head of the body the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all His fullness... Dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. You may be seated. You ever wondered what Adam and Eve looked like? It's interesting to think about. I mean, I know we have various pictures, artists' renditions, but... Wouldn't it stand to reason that Adam and Eve look like what God thinks a human being should look like? At some level, that they would be perfect in their form, in their beauty, in their proportion, that they would just be just right because God made them and unmarred by sin, it says, He made them in His own image. But something was lost in the fall, something important was lost. And generations passed and and time has passed and I believe that even as humankind no longer were able to walk and talk with God in the garden, that something about us has changed and out of that change we find ourselves wanting God as much as anybody ever did, just to walk with Him and to talk with Him and to know Him. We would love to see God and then 2,000 years ago the miracle happens and another is born in the image of God, the perfect man, God in flesh, Jesus Christ. And what did people see when they saw Jesus? Well, they saw a man. He wasn't just a mirage. I mean, he was a person, with we believe, with a beard. We, we believe that he laughed and that he cried. And people saw him as a man, but they saw more than a man. They saw God. In fact, they didn't just see one reflection of God, but they saw all of God in one person. And this One who came, the fullness of God, as Paul calls Him here in verse 19, came, chapter 2, verse 9 says, so that He might give that fullness to us, as Paul described it to the church at Rome. It's not just that God created people in His image. It's not just that Jesus came as the image of the invisible God. But God is working really hard to transform us, conform us to the image of God. And sometimes I look around me in this place... And I see people who are remarkably like our God. Somehow their their sanctification is progressing to the point that when I see them, I look in their eyes and I see this amazing love, this amazing grace, and I recognize that God is working in their lives, working in all of our lives to make us more and more like Jesus Christ. And how will we know that we have become like Christ when our lives are absolutely so full of God that no thing in this world is ultimately important to us? Then we will know that God has filled us with the fullness of His Son. And this takes place when we see Him as He really is and come to know Him. Because when you see Jesus, Paul says... You recognize the face of God. To see Jesus is to see the face of God. In fact, as he describes Jesus here, as we looked last week, we saw that as he thought about Jesus, he said he's the king and he's the one who's loved by the Father and he's the redeemer and he's the one who forgives us. And then in verse 15, he says he's the icon, the image, that's the word in Greek, icon, Of the invisible God. It's the closest word, if they had known what it was, it's the closest word to our word photo. Jesus is not just the representation of God. He doesn't just kind of look like him, but he's the manifestation of God. He actually is God. So to see Jesus is not just to see one who looks kind of like God, it is to see God. So if we want to see God, we need to take a longer look at Jesus, this image of God. In fact, Paul's not the only one who says this because in John chapter 1, verse 1, remember, John begins his gospel. By the way, I'm going to do a devotional in the gospel of John starting on January 1 like we did with Psalms last year. And every day we'll do just another. It's called Every Day with Jesus. We're just going to look at Jesus. But what John says at the beginning is that in the beginning was the Word, the Logos. And the Word was God. He was with God and he was God. And in verse 14 it says, this one who was God from the beginning became flesh, incarnation. This is the great miracle. He became one of us. Jesus Christ came so that in, in uh, John chapter 14, verse 9, when Philip says to Jesus, well, just show us the Father and we'll be good. And Jesus says, how long have you walked with me, Philip? If you've seen me, you have seen me. It's why the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 1, verse 3, which is remarkably Christmassy, read it sometime this week, but in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, he says that, that Jesus is the radiance of the Father's glory, the exact representation of His being made. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, In the likeness of man, He was made in appearance as a man, but He was the image of God remarkable to think about who Jesus was the great miracle of incarnation Clark Cawthorn talks about when he was a boy he was at Grand Canyon University there in Arizona uh, that Baptist college there his mother was the dean of women and Clark at the age of five would go to his mother's office some days and uh, he would play there in the office and and uh, he would see the students walk down the hall pale as they came close to the door that said president's office and President Robert Sutherland was there and these students would knock timidly on the door and and Clark said as a little boy he would see the door open and all he knew of the president was these shiny black wingtip shoes and these shoes would come to the door and then the student who had wiped the perspiration off his hand would reach and it was As best he could understand, something like standing before the final judgment. And Clark watched this take place day after day. And then one day he was playing in the hallway with his truck, you know, vroom, vroom. And the door opened and he saw the black shiny wingtips and he began to be frightened until the man in perfectly creased trousers knelt down beside him and said, Can I have a turn? And he began to vroom, vroom with the truck and said, you can call me Dr. Bob. And suddenly he realized that the president of the university, the biggest man on campus, was not somebody to be feared, but somebody to be loved. This is what Jesus has done for us. Our image of God as, as holy. And all the pictures in the Old Testament of, of God as this one from whom lightning bolts come forth. And all of this image of the greatness of God and all the people who said, God, I just want to see you. Moses, just let me see your glory pass by. And then in Jesus, all the glory of God was revealed when He became flesh. Not just our Our current issue of the day kind of Jesus as I listed to you at the beginning but rather the one who is the son of God the one who is promised by the prophets unto us a son is born unto us a a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called wonderful counselor almighty God everlasting father prince of peace this one came the one who was predicted the one who came to forgive our sins the son of God not the one we can make in our image but the one who is working to make us in his and to see Jesus is to recognize the face of God to see Jesus is to receive the fullness of God. And, and Paul goes on and talks about how Jesus was the agent of creation. This is also in John chapter 1. We're going to talk about this next week. But He made everything that is. And He made all of it for Himself. Doesn't this simplify life? Life's not about us. It's not for us. It's for Him. Everything created is for Him. And this one, he says in verse 19. Had all the fullness of of God. It pleased God. You wonder what pleases God. It pleased God to make his home in Jesus and to live among us so that we could see all of his fullness. Now, Paul was writing to people who were influenced by a, a, a pernicious doctrine called Gnosticism. And basically, the proponents of that were saying, well, Jesus wasn't all that He he claimed to be. Jesus was just another in a series of emanations from the Father. Jesus was just one of those. He wasn't the only one. It's not far from those today who would say, well, Jesus was a good teacher, but there were many good teachers. Christianity is a good religion, but there are many good religions. It was very much like that. And they claimed a higher knowledge, and they needed to give you this knowledge. And so Jesus was not... And Paul just takes that head on and says, no he's the image of the invisible God he's not just one way to God he's the way to God he's not just part of God he's the fullness of God and in chapter 2 verse 9 he continues that thought when he says for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form and listen to this and you have been given fullness your life is full he says You have a full life. No matter how long you live, you have a full life because it is filled full with Jesus. Can I ask you then, why are we so hungry? Why are we so thirsty? Why do we live as though we are so remarkably empty? I thought this week when I was jogging along Buffalo Bayou, I thought, you know, the bayou flows into the gulf. But isn't it true when the tide rises down near the coast that the gulf flows into the bayou? That the brackish water is there formed and things live there like speckled trout and white trout. Things can live in that brackish water. When It's not just that the bayou flows the ocean, but sometimes the ocean flows into the bayou. It's not just that we're trying to get to God, but Christmas tells us God came to us. Not just part of God, but all of God. All of His fullness. And He did this. So that our lives would not be empty, so that we would not be forever thirsty for things, of things we've had our fill. And yet we hunger still. Why? We need Him. He's the only answer. He's the only one who can make our lives full. This has been reenacted in every home represented here. Every home, this has happened at some point. The kids look, the the parents look at the stack of gifts under the tree, and we wonder, how many of those are for me? And, And then we open one, and then another, and after the pile of paper is done, somebody has the audacity to say, is that it? Is that all? Is that all there is You don't have to be standing by a Christmas tree to have that feeling. If I get that, that job, or or that amount of money, or or that particular automobile, or that relationship, then I'll be happy. And I think the news this week reminds us that the icons of our culture, athletic and entertainment icons, can have everything this world offers and still... Not be satisfied. Why is that? Except that we were made for something more than this world has to offer. We were made for something more, for someone more. And that one is the fullness of God who could make our lives so full that instead of saying, I need something, we would forever be like Him saying, I have something that I need to give to you. I saw it yesterday morning when we sat with the Sorel family. Many of you knew Sam and Maverine Sorrell. Sam went to be with the Lord this week. And, and Maverine was just talking about Sam's life. And what an amazingly full life Sam had. And as she was describing, she said, the best of our life was when he was on the Foreign Mission Board. Now the International Mission Board. And he would travel with Gulf Publishing. He was an executive with Gulf Publishing I think the vice president of of, uh, maybe marketing and sales or something like that. And that they would travel. He was particularly responsible for the Far East and they would go to the Philippines. And she began to list the different countries. And she listed the name of a missionary in every country they went to. She said he would go and do business and I would go and do the Lord's business and meet with our missionaries and go to church with them and encourage them. She said that was the best of our lives. And I thought, how different is that perspective from the perspective of the world? We believe the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ has come. And because we've experienced fullness in Him, we want the world to experience that fullness. It's not as though any religion will do you. It's, it's true that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. And what if you and I made it our business this Christmas not to accumulate stuff, but to give so that others could have life. Perhaps you've seen the Advent Conspiracy. You can find it on the internet, adventconspiracy.org. And it tells about how Americans spend a lot of money on Christmas, $450 billion with a B. 450 billion. It's like Congress. You know, a billion here, a billion there pretty soon. you got real money, you know. $450 billion on Christmas, but I'm told that for $10 billion we could provide clean drinking water to all the people in our world, which would eradicate an enormous amount of disease in our world. For one forty-fifth of what Americans spent on Christmas, everybody could have clean drinking water. I understand uh, the greatness of the need in our world, but just think about this. If we just provided drinking water, well, then they might ask about the living water, who is Jesus Christ, and their lives would no longer be empty, but their lives would become Full. I think of Sam Sorrell leading a Bible study at a bar down on on uh, Allen Parkway there at the corner there an old hotel there and at seven o'clock on Thursday morning he would invite people to come and he would lead them to Christ and I, I was just convicted I thought you know he had a job and I have a job but his life was sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and it must be because his life was so full. Of the one who was born into this world. He had been so born again. Born from above. Born anew. That he wanted other people to be born. And I wanted that for you. And I wanted that for me. What if Christ were born in us? What did Corey Ten Boom say? If Christ were born 10,000 times in Bethlehem. But never born in me. I would still be lost. We need Christ to be born in us so that our lives will be full, so that our lives will overflow with the grace and truth of Jesus Christ into the lives of others. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Would you pray with me? Father, thank You for the glorious, gracious face of Jesus Christ in whom we see Your face and all of Your fullness. And help us today, I pray, Lord, to give thanks for the fullness of life You've given to us and to share that life with others. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen.